Hmm. Are you sure about that? Is that what you think? Is that so? Hi, I'm Sokka, the host of Sokka's Is That So? A show where we challenge conventional wisdom across a range of industries, hoping to get you to ask better questions and not take things at face value. I'm originally from Botswana and Nigeria. However, I've had the chance to travel through Europe, North America, and Latin America to have many of my assumptions challenged and combat my biases. The goal of the show is to help you learn along with me as we challenge more conventional norms. Recording the show during the coronavirus, so hopefully you should have more than enough time to listen to these. Let's get started. On today's episode of Sokka's Is That So, we'll be talking to James Bargeron, who is an expert and specialist on mindset, leadership, and the psychology of failure. We'll be discussing things such as chasing money. What is the actual cost to this? Secondly, are you moving towards an early grave or regret an old age by chasing the money and the kind of career you're following at the moment? Another question we'll look at is, as herd animals, we typically yearn for groups and acceptance, but is this always a good thing? How do you recognize when you're addicted to the rush or dopamine or making money? And how do you know your own value in negotiating? James is an expert that's had three decades of experience in the global energy business in the UK and US, and that was primarily with oil trading companies, but now he spends his time developing corporations in terms of leadership, mindset, and so on. So let's get started. Let's talk about habits and mindset. Now, what's interesting here is we're all part of a sort of rat race, at least most of us that are in corporate jobs from nine to five. And it's a very habit-forming type of culture. So I got interested to think about these habits and the way that we form them that sort of warp us into living every day like it's the last. Primarily chasing money, um, but also just ensuring that we're not left out. Going back to the whole herd or group mentality that we're all working towards something. I mean, I don't know if any of you have ever noticed this, but if you don't have a job, everyone's like, oh, then what are you doing with your life? Or, you know, if you don't have a regular nine to five, everyone sort of looks at you like you're crazy. So we all want to belong. And we also, we like our, our regular habits. One of the things that came out of it was I did a bit of research and here from an evolutionary standpoint, you know, habits actually make survival simpler because they may help us make decisions automatically. And these routine tasks are not as cognitively tasking on our brains. Our brains tend to like the familiar and repeatable behaviors as well, because this actually provides a sense of security for us, as I was mentioning to or alluding to earlier. But the problem with these automatic kind of behaviors is that Sometimes they can also play out in terms of negative um, aspects as well. So, for instance, uh, procrastinating or, you know, just going to a place that you might actually hate working at uh, just because you've been doing it for the past couple of years and you're, you're sort of automatically wired to keep doing it. You know, many fledging habits go unnoticed and it's something that is hard to break out of the mold of. You know, moving on to some of the other topics as well or at least one of the other aspects of this that I've thought of is Steve Jobs or someone that was really uh, prominent in the you know technology space or sector. He famously once said that he would wear the same thing every single day so they didn't have to think about it so much. 
because you'd only want to make a few big decisions rather than a lot of small decisions. So what he was trying to do was use the power of habits in such a way that would help him to focus on the things that he wanted to spend time on and that actually really mattered. Now, that's one way of looking at it, which is a good thing. But we also know that habit formation, whether it's chasing money or even like a drug addiction or whatever it is, can be a bad thing at the same time. Now, when it comes to motivation for money, you know, does money take the joy out of work and chasing a career if that's the sole focus or purpose of it? This is a phenomenon that was actually discovered or not discovered, should I say, explored by psychologists many decades ago. In one experiment, they actually gave children some pens to play with. And most of them actually enjoyed playing with them. They were just having a good old time. And what they did was half of the children were then paid for playing with the pens and the other half were not. Now, would this money increase the children's activity in playing with these pens? The evidence was actually quite interesting. Those children who had been paid actually lost interest in playing as much compared to those kids who were not offered money. So what does this mean for us us on a macro scale or on a day-to-day scale? It's quite interesting when you really start to think about it and extrapolate into general society. Does money actually take away the joy of doing things? Just think about the things that you do in your regular life as well. Once you introduce money, then you start to place a value onto it, or you think you have to do that particular activity for money, and that can kind of suck away the joy out of it. But it is a necessary evil. There was another study by Dean Mobbs uh, at the University of Cambridge in the UK, and they did some brain scans to see what effects introducing money as a reward had on two groups or two sets of people that were playing on a computer game and they had to race against a clock in order to catch some prey in this type of two-dimensional maze or video game. They They were told that they would actually win either 50p or five pounds if they succeeded within a particular time limit. The results were published and it showed that the performance was actually worse for those that were that were offered a larger bonus than those that had been offered the 50p. Now, why is that? Who knows? It's a very interesting type of phenomenon, especially psychologically. But perhaps that pressure of chasing after the money clouds our judgment in such a way that we're unable to actually effectively do what we're supposed to do without thinking of the rewards. If we try to think about that in our everyday lives, perhaps chasing money or chasing monetary gain clouds our judgment in terms of what's important to us in terms of the way we even go about our regular job because there's this overarching um, goal or narrative that clouds our judgment and decision-making. Another thing that was pretty interesting was a scarcity kind of mindset. So going to the mindset portion of things. Focusing on abundance versus scarcity frames your mindset in two very different ways. And the problem with a scarcity type of mindset is it actually perpetuates scarcity in real life. You know, the the necessity to tunnel vision in the short term means that everything beyond the horizon or everything in the longer term is ignored. So you can often make decisions that are good for you in the short term because of the scarcity, as opposed to things in the long term, which will ultimately be more beneficial for you. But it's harder to bite that bullet in the short term. 
You don't have time to actually prepare for the future if you're focused on getting through today. Another way or another place that this uh, has ramifications is in the ways you actually treat yourself as a person. So personal negotiation in terms of the trade-offs between what am I going to invest my time in? What am I not going to spend my time on? Is this what the future version of me wants? Is this what the current version of me wants? Is this what my family wants? There's always a trade-off and negotiation between yourself and you have to make that balance or at least try and understand that balance between the scarcity and the abundant mindset. And I actually wondered to myself, is this something that I'm doing on a daily or constant basis? Does it make sense for me to leave my current role and to go for something that I might not necessarily uh, make the most money at doing, but in 10 years time, fingers crossed, I will be making enough money to do it and I've enjoyed the process along the way. Do I have enough confidence or belief in the abundance mindset to know that whatever endeavor I decide to go into will ultimately lead me to success or um, there's no lack of opportunities in that thing that I'm viewing as very difficult or hard to do? It's almost like a mindset shift. Let's go and talk to James and hear what he has to say based on all his discussions with corporations, individuals, successful leaders, and regular employees. Based on your experiences, James, um, you know, the, the conception of what success is differs from a lot of people, but you've had a very uh, varied career and traveled to many places. From your perspective, what do you think the biggest misconception around defining success is? Well, to be honest, uh, um, from my own viewpoint, success growing up was having, you know, uh, a lot of stuff, things. And I remember, you know, sitting in front of the TV, all the, the uh, TV shows and everything. There seemed to be so many of them come from the States when I was a kid in the 1970s. And, you know, you'd see the big cars, there was Kojak, the TV show and all this sort of stuff. And there was uh, stuff from California. And it was all this glamorous lifestyle type situation showing the big house, the car, the money. Dallas was a big thing in the uh, in the 80s and stuff like that. And when you look at it, we're being initially drip-fed, but then after that it was, I don't even think it was drip-fed, I think it, the tap was full on about in order for you to be successful, you've got to have, you know, if you're a man, you've got to have the um, the perfect-looking hourglass figure wife. You've got to have the big house. You've got to have the car. If you lived in the States, the pool, um, you know, or several cars. And if you're in this country, England, uh, that you had to have the, the holidays and everything else. But the reality was that going through getting all those things, it, it was just a, a shallow side of things, chasing all that stuff for the for the sake of everything else. There was an imbalance, to be honest with you, because if you I'm not saying having things is bad. What I'm saying is if you if you go after those, uh, uh, you know, for the detriment of other things, which, you know, could be your family, spending your whole life. I mean, there were a lot of people in my old line of work that would spend their whole lives dedicated to the work of making money. And a lot, a lot of the time, making money for other people and making a lot of other people very wealthy to the detriment of their own family, their own health. And, you know, uh, for the sake of when you get to the age of 65, 
oh, there you go. You're retired. There's the gold watch and all that other stuff. But the reality was is a lot of people, um, and I was on that path myself, is that we'd end up putting ourselves in, a, in, in the grave early, to be honest with you, for the sake of having stuff. Yeah, it's it's that manifestation of sort of material wealth, which is commonly you know put in front of us in terms of the imagery we see every day, the, yeah. the you know the way society molds us from from a very early age. It's kind of hard to come out of that that almost psychosis. But speaking about it psychologically as well, so the psychology of being um, driven to succeed, or even just being in a work environment where money and those types of things are the main focus. Um, let's talk a little bit about the psychological aspect of wanting to be success, uh, be successful. Is it a dopamine kick? Is it a an ego type of thing? Uh, how would you frame the idea of success psychologically? And, and what do you think actually makes people go down this path and not realize it until they're 65 or 70? Well, that's the thing. Um, I think the, the word is recognize. A lot of us don't actually recognize when things are happening. We, we, you know, we go through our lives unaware of certain situations because we've been conditioned, programmed to do certain things. And, you know, you were just uh, saying there that the, the psychology side of it is that we have, everybody's different, but you'll get people will obviously go together. We're heard. Um, we're herd animals, that, which is why you get people going to certain groups on social media these days, you know, Facebook and these other things, is because they want to be accepted. And so you'll get people going into certain lines of work, A, because they, they like the idea of it. They don't always believe in it, but they like the idea of it. For example, you'll go into um, a line of work that could be banking, finance involved, and mine, which was... Uh, involved in finance and oil, that there was this wish to make money. It was that was all. You weren't going there to, you know, uh, make best friends with everybody and that sort of stuff. You made friends as you went along, but the idea was I'm going into a business to make money, serious amounts of money. And so when you've got that in mind, everything else takes second place, as it were, the be-all and end-all was, hang on a second, you're deemed a success by the amount of money you've made for the company and in, then individually, if you see what I mean. And that's the environment because our environment uh, will have a huge bearing on how we come out of the situation and what we actually do. You know, if you're uh, in a, an environment that's going to, force you to do certain things well you're either going to do those things or you're going to get out and so the idea is that you're you don't want to be seen as a um, different we want to be accepted so we'll, we'll go with the flow we want to be seen as and this is where the ego comes in as well we want to be seen as the number one we want to be seen and recognized as somebody who is successful and in order to do that you've got to do certain things that the environment um cultivates as it were and so you'll get somebody who is say for example wanting to make a million dollars a year then you're going to get somebody's got well i've got to make 1.5 or 2 million and then so and so and this is where it comes in well the targets the the drive and that is such a huge thing for for people that are involved in it is that you want to be seen as successful and 
it's very difficult because once you've actually been, it is like a drug, once you've actually got into that environment. And I speak now on stages and stuff, but I could see how that, you know, people in the rock star type environment get sucked in. That energy when they go on stage and that people shouting and screaming is that they, yeah, they get a, they get a rush, the adrenaline and everything else. And it, it's a similar situation as when you're in an environment uh, like I was where you're negotiating things and there's a lot at stake, you know, with oil companies and uh, a lot of finance involved that, yeah, you get a rush out of the situation because you want to put something together, the deal, and it does become um, it does become addictive, as it were. Yeah, you're not always purely thinking about the money at that particular time. Um, but yes, you do at some point because that's the nature of what you're involved in. And so it starts taking over. And you do become addicted to that after a while. Yeah. And if, again, if you don't recognize it, and that's, that's the big problem, if you don't realize where it starts taking over. And at certain yeah. times it started to do that. Yeah, those are very interesting points. You mentioned something which is, uh, I think, pretty key and pivotal about negotiation. It seems like you have to almost have this negotiation with yourself in terms of what am I willing to give up? What what do I value? What do I not? And then there's also negotiation with the external world as well. Uh, you know, when I interact with people, what do I want from from the world in terms of success, money, all those types of things? What am I willing to give? That whole, I'd say, trade off discussion that you have to have, right? What am I willing to give and what am I willing to receive? And then based on your environment, you have to make that decision. Am I willing to stay here or am I willing to leave? You know, you're always negotiating constantly and making those trade-off types of decisions. Um, in your experience, um, first of all, what are some of the negotiation sort of frameworks or toolkits that you have used both personally and professionally to get to this point? Uh, it could be anything from negotiating a salary from a, pro a professional perspective, or when it comes to personal, it could be you negotiating with yourself on what you're willing to to take and what you're not willing to take. How did you go about th that discussion? That's a great question. Uh, and the thing is that um, I wasn't in a, a position many years ago as a young man in my 20s um, I was instrumental in setting up a, a company when I was 22. And, you know, there were an awful lot of uh, pressures and responsibilities put on you. And you make decisions that are based on your present circumstances. You're not thinking about things, the wisdom you have when you're 35 or 40 or 50 or 60 years of age. And that's the thing, is um, that having the wisdom now I can see where I didn't recognize things and I didn't uh, go into certain negotiations you were mentioning there about when you're uh, negotiating your salaries and things like that, was that you've got to know your own value. But this is where it's a, a very, very difficult time uh, looking back because the ego can take over. You know, we get inflated... Um, versions of ourselves and inflated egos because of how good our year has been. So we get bonuses or you get salaries according to that. And so you can get inflated uh, ego, inflated vision of yourself and stuff like that, which isn't healthy, rather than looking at the situation and thinking, okay, hang on a second, what is my true value? 
And what are my values? Because at the end of the day, I, I remember being sucked into the, 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 the vortex of this whole situation that uh, I thought I was doing things uh, with the right values in mind. But looking back now, we've, as I say, I, things were not really in sync. I was spending so much time, you know, working and traveling. Uh, I was spending more time at work than I was with my own family. And, you know, on certain days we were 18, 20 hour days and things like that in the pretense oh, that I'm going to be making more money and it's going to be able to do more for the family, which in real terms, um, I was negotiating things on a basis of a false pretense, if that makes sense. So if I looked at things now, I'd be in a far better position to actually say, well, no, so what are my values? What is my value? And what am I looking to get out of it? Because then when you know those things, you're in a far better position to negotiate with what you actually want out of a situation. But also you want to, the idea is that you want to be able to to negotiate something always on a win-win basis. Uh, you know, unless you're a, a hostage negotiator, then you only just want to win for yourself and the, the hostages, of course. But I, I'm just talking about in reality. So, so many people go into negotiations and all they want to do is, yes, I've got so much more out of this rather than thinking, hang on a second, down the line, wherein that if you push it too far, then it can backfire on you. You know, if you're not seen as somebody that is part of a team, part of a unit, then it's very easy for you to get edged out because you only ever thought of yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. You you touched on something that I think was pretty interesting, which was traveling. You've had the opportunity to travel quite a bit in your career, and I've had the opportunity to do so as well. And that's one way I've been able to sort of um, step outside of my bubble in order to actually see if there's another way of living life, right? If maybe money is not everything and, you know, if there's a different way of life that is better suited to my values and things like that. Did you, do you think, or what did you learn from traveling that helped you um, or didn't help you, I guess, come to this realization in terms of your success, your values, and all that kind of stuff. Did it help? Did it not? Were there any particular experiences when you when you encountered different cultures that that kind of started to get this, you know, your, your, your mind thinking of, oh, okay, hold on, maybe I'm not on the right path or anything like that? Or was it not based on travel and it was based on something else? I think it's a combination of lots of things, to be honest with you, because uh, traveling is fantastic. You, you know, as you said, you've traveled, I've traveled. And I, I still, well, when, when we're out of lockdown, want to continue traveling because it, you either, otherwise you get just an insular view of things, which is, you know, uh, not healthy because you, you can't see somebody, sorry, you can't see things from somebody else's perspective. And that's the, a huge advantage when you can actually go into a negotiation. You'll understand what that person is about, what their culture is about and what their history is about, then, you're, you you know, you've got more information. And when you've got more, in, you, you can make more informed decisions. And so that helps uh, a great deal. But it also helps you as a person to understand who you're dealing with. If you're dealing with real, you know, you're dealing with real people, 
you know, I, I was fortunate enough to travel and meet some amazing people. And some of them are still my friends today after being in business for 30 years. Um, you know, some Italian people, people from Denmark, people from the Far East. There's some amazing people. And, you know, of course, you can't get along with everybody, but the idea is that you find those that you connect with. And in so doing, you can then find out more about how their culture works and what makes them tick. Because that's the thing is at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what business we're in, even if we're in a tech business, there are still people involved in that. They're, you know, humans. And that's the big thing. Uh, the biggest thing that I took away from all of it was the, the human side. And that was the realization coming through was that to have values is the biggest thing. And when you have those values, that helps you to connect with other people rather than just chase the money. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying money's, money's wrong or bad in any shape or form. You know, uh, I think it was Les Brown, the speaker, said that uh, it's money's up there with oxygen. You know, you try, try living without it. <laughs> but, um, you know, to have it in combination with your values and what the, the, the good you can actually do with money rather than having money for the sake of it. And that's the big thing is that I, I took away is that learning about other people's cultures was a great thing to actually understand more about how to get on in business. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, you typically give, you know, speeches in corporations and gatherings, you know, frequently. What, what's the one thing or what are some of the common things that you see people are searching for when they bring you in to, you know, give your 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 expertise and your um, your guidance and, and things like that uh, when you come into a corporation? What are some of those hot topics that you see recurring over and over again, um, which could be an indication of maybe something at large in society or maybe in corporations or something like that, but that's some stratification of, of society. Um, I, I presume there's some things that you commonly encounter. Can you get, shed light yeah, on a few of those the, things? The, the, the biggest thing I see um, even with companies that I don't go and uh, work in, I see it all the time, both inside of the, the corporate world, but also outside. And the, the, the two things I think, um, without a shadow of a doubt, uh, make the difference that in a company, in a small business, a big organization, or in life or in sports, and those, those two things are leadership and mindset, without any shadow of a doubt. Because you cannot have, I believe, the right leaders if they don't have the right mindset. And you're not going to have the right mindset if you don't have the right leaders, if that makes sense. Because many people have a, a misconception about what leadership is. They think it's a position or a title and, oh, look, now I've made the board level director and all this sort of stuff, so I get to tell people what to do. That's not That's not leadership in any shape or form. Leadership is influence it's how you influence people and obviously you want to influence them in a positive way and that's you know from my own experiences in the the corporate world but also when i see other companies that the the idea is to have real leaders which are you know influencing and developing other leaders because they're they're not insecure they're not scared about their position about developing people with inside the organization to have the right mindsets, the right values, and that care about each other. And when you have that, you get leaders that are secure, 
And the, the big challenge I see a lot of the time is insecurity because they don't have the right mindset. They're insecure that somebody's going to take their position that, oh, and they come from this position that, oh my God, you know, if I don't trample all over people and get to this position where the ego comes in, I'm not going to be perceived as a, a real leader. And to be honest with you, I don't think that's, we've been, we've been misled with that over the years. And that I think is the biggest situation inside companies that really need changing is developing the real leaders who are going to value other people, develop them so that you're bringing on more people, but also developing the right mindsets, the mindsets to be successful in a way that, you know, helps develop other people rather than just being successful, i.e. to the shareholders. And I know a lot of people will turn around and say, oh, well, yeah, that's crazy. That's a crazy idea for business. Well, if my honest belief is if you're just in business purely for money, then you're doing it wrong. I think it's about how you make your money. And, you know, uh, Zig Ziglar said years ago, I never actually saw him live, but yeah, he's got a great saying, which is that, you know, if you help enough other people get what they want, you'll get what you want. And I think that's very true. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great saying. In terms of, of mindset, so you touched on a few different elements there, which is the mindset of, being a bit more selfless, right? Developing other leaders in your organization, being not so money-driven. What are the barriers, do you think, to people developing the right mindset, personally or as an organization or as a culture? What what stops you from developing it? Is it selfishness or what is it? Well, I don't know if it's uh, selfishness. I I think selflessness is a a great thing. Um, But don't, don't, don't get me wrong, Saka, the... I'm not saying, you know, money is wrong. What I'm saying is how you make your money is often more important about than the actual amount you make. Mm. You know, and uh, I was reading about um, the CEO of Costco a number of years ago. Uh, In American terms, he's one of the lowest paid CEOs in the States. You know, he doesn't make uh, 10, 20 million a year, which some of the CEOs do, CEOs do. And some people would say that's crazy. But the thing is, he said, with my overall package, you know, the shares and the, where he lives and everything else and the money he makes, he says, I live a very, very good life. But by me taking less money, I'm able to share that amongst our workers. So we don't lose, we don't have the high turnover of staff that some organizations do. And we pay higher than almost any other company out there by about 40%, I think it was. Plus they give medical and all these other things. That's what we're talking about. It's more about, you know, that's uh, developing people that want to be in an organization. And guess what? Costco is a very successful company in that respect. Their shareholders are happy, the people are happy and everything else. And in the UK, we've got a similar company that works on a similar basis, which is you know, the John Lewis Partnership, which has the stores and also Waitrose. The, the people there love working there. They don't have a very big turnover of staff for exactly the same sort of reason. So it's developing other people inside the organization and thinking about them, not just purely it's all just about money. Money is a, money is a byproduct of providing service and looking after other people. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I always thought about it that way because if you do something for someone else, 
naturally they they'll need to exchange some sort of value and and money is just that medium by which you exchange values and yeah. it also ex, it accentuates or heightens the um whatever your your initial proclivity was right if you are uh, a good person when the more money you have the more good you're going to do if you're like a bad person or you do bad things yeah. money will just heighten that for you right it's just a tool that accentuates it but most people don't think of money that way they think of money as the end goal as a as an end and not a means to an end right they look at it very differently absolutely i think you've uh, hit the nail on the head there and say it's a great money is a great magnifier if you've got somebody who yeah somebody who's good, then obviously you can do an awful lot more good with more money than you can with a little amount of money. And conversely, as you just said, that, you know, if you've got somebody who, I won't use the word, but somebody <laughs> that uh, doesn't have quite the same values as somebody else and is, you know, driven just by the ego sake, oh, look at me, look at the money and look at the bling in the cars. Well, is he really doing any good with that? No, except looking after his own ego. And the story is, you know, they say you can't take it with you anyway. So, yeah, good point. Uh, so, what were some of the biggest mistakes you think you made in in your career? I mean, so we've already spoken about, you know, the chasing money and things like that. But are there any standout moments that you could pass onto the audience? You know, of a time that I don't know, you made a mistake, or a time that something uh, that you did was was I don't know, negative beyond uh, you know your I, particular I, remit. I've, I've made so many over the years, to be honest with you, which is why I, I, you know, I get questioned when I do actually speak. Somebody says, oh, you know, what have you, what have you got to write to talk about failure and all that? And believe me, I've got enough to talk about failure um, and what we can learn from it. Uh, but to answer your question, the, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, is to work on your mind. I've, I've worked with um, some professional golfers, I've worked with CEOs, I've worked with teams on the tech side and everything else. And above all, the thing is that to work on your mind, your mindset about whatever you want to achieve is to start doing that at an earlier age. I wish I had it done. But the thing was, we, we didn't really have personal development per se, especially in the UK um, back in those days and everything. I... I grew up in a, an environment um, that we were, I wouldn't say encouraged, we were basically forced, we were trained by fear, whether that was at school or going into the, uh, the, the corporate world, was, you know, be thankful you've got a job. You know, so going back to the situation is getting targets, making more money. And if you were doing that and you were successful, then great, you, 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 get, you could keep your job. If you didn't, there's the door. And... I wish I'd have known about uh, developing ourselves from a younger age and how important it is to work on what's between your ears because that it doesn't matter if you're trying to be in the top 10 in golf in the world. Basketball, Michael Jordan uh, is, is proof of that when he was told as a teenager that he wasn't even going to make the high school varsity team, let alone getting in the NBA and being, you know, to me, the best basketball player ever. You know, that comes down to what's between your ears, whether you can believe you can do something and getting the right mentors and uh, people around you and then the right environment to help you. So that, that I think, is the biggest mistake. Um, I say a mistake. It was a, a, a yeah, a, probably the biggest mistake on the basis that I got, in, I got involved with some people in 
in in the business world that didn't have the values that I thought that we were going after, and you know, because we weren't families. But the realization was that, the, as I said earlier, about the environment is so important that I made some decisions based on the environment I was around, and I, I just I couldn't recognize is that word again. I couldn't recognize when I was making wrong decisions and the and the decisions that weren't going to move me forward. And that was pretty, pretty costly. So I'd say working on your mindset and getting around people that have got similar values, that, that is probably the greatest thing of all. Fantastic. Well, I think that's some really good information for our, our audience. Where can they uh, hear and find out more about you if they'd like to, you know, look, invite you for some of their conferences or some of their speeches and things like that? Where, where can they hear more about you? Sure. Um, well, they can either find me on LinkedIn. My name is James Bargeron. Um, and also you can find me at my website, which is jamesbargeron.com. Fantastic. And do you have any last pieces of advice or is there any message you'd like to get out there into the audience if you could? Yeah, the, um, a lot of people are worried about failure. And the thing is that I think it's the fear of failure that does more damage than the failure itself. Because, you know, we've, we've been taught from a young age not to fail, not to make mistakes and, you know, succeed at all costs. Whether it's on the, you know, the football pitch, you see parents shouting at the kids and they come off because they haven't won. And the same when we go out to work, you know, or our exams, we're told that, oh, we failed at this and you failed at that. Well, the realization is if we, knew everything and got everything right, but there's no point in going to school, there's no point in going to college, there's no point in doing all these other things because we knew everything and that's that's nonsense. So the idea is to embrace mistakes and failures and what and when we do that, we can actually take away what have we actually learned from that. And the more we learn from that, the more wisdom we have and not to be seen as failure is something that defines us, but failure is something that inspires us to actually keep improving, I think is probably the biggest takeaway I would suggest somebody looks at. Fantastic. I think those are great words to end on. Thanks so much for your time. No, thank you very much for inviting me, Sack. I really appreciate it. Cheers. All right, take care. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Sokka's Is That So? We had a great conversation with James. Hopefully you guys learned a thing or two, but it's always important to work on your mindset. The mindset is probably the most important thing that will help you in those habits that you're forming, both short-term and long-term, that will ultimately help you get a better career and ultimately also improve your satisfaction. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast. We're also live on social media and any other platforms that you use, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and the like. Tune in next week for the next episode.